We all seem to stumble, planning our own demise But getting the big picture and making it wildly size So to what's important in my life, I apologize I promise to stay faithful, focused and sanctified We all get distracted The question is, would you bounce back or bounce backwards? Would you not know how to act or take action? It's just a part of life And if your vision's impaired, you probably lose it all tonight I'm trying to visualize how to get it right But my vision's so blurry Trying to slow it down, stay close to the ground, but we're always in a hurry now. And if I could make this world spin a little slower, then I would, then we could grow a little closer. I think we're getting closer. Peace, love, and life, and peace, love, and light. Welcome, stay, come again. I'm your host, Him Not Them. Got to give and always will a shout out to the ancestors, the elders, listeners, likers, and subscribers. Can't show the hate, no love. As always, drink your water, eat your greens. We are here, we are alive, and we are in full effect. That was the sounds of Kendrick Lamar, featuring Janae Aiko, Growing Apart. Definitely a classic K-Dot song, you know. Before Kendrick Lamar was mainstream, he was really dropping music that made you think. And that was putting his people on. That was the Kendrick Lamar that I was introduced to. And like other great artists that was before him, he didn't let the money change the quality of music that he put out. He continued to challenge us as a people. He continued to challenge himself as an artist. And I think that has a, that has become a deadly combination for what we can what for what we can consider great music. Greetings and salutations. Hopefully the family is doing well. We're gonna hop right into it. When I think about that song, it makes me think about the weekend that had passed <laughs> before I sat down and recorded this installment. Every day that I was trying to sit down and record, something else monumental happened. And I don't want to call it monumental per se, but something else happened that for me it was unexpected, right? Sometimes when you look at the world for what it is, you can kind of expect something irrational to happen. You just don't know in what area. But I didn't expect this to happen, even with all the quote-unquote foresight that one might have. But speaking with this song in particular, the song is speaking about growing apart. And us as a community, we have, we've heard our master teachers say it, we've heard the elders say it, we've heard our mom and dad say it, our elders and our family, that we have to stick together. And that's the, the glue, that's the nucleus, that's the key, you understand, that will help us get out of the situation that we're in. Some of us will describe it as getting, up, getting from under the foot of the white man or getting from under their thumb. And being together as a collective is a, a what's it called, a foolproof, a foolproof way of making that um, dream become a reality. And... If you, if you were living under a rock, <laughs> you would see that the issue, not even issue, the brawl, I don't you know, I have a trouble with R&W words, but there was a, a scuffle going on. It was mayhem. It was WrestleMania, Alabama. You understand me? It was SummerSlam. When I was younger, I used to want my mother to order wrestling events over the summer. It was SummerSlam. Nigga, that was SummerSlam. <laughs> and it was, it was worth seeing. Um... 
So, like I said, if he was living under a rock, you would have bared witness to what to what was one of the greatest ass whoopings in American history that was put on camera, that went viral in Alabama. And it was, um, I guess it was not only a historical event, but where it took place was a historical site because apparently that's where they was off offshoring and onboarding slaves to get shipped to wherever they was getting shipped to, you know? And that shit is just crazy within itself that that was a shipping port that that Caucasian got out of line and we came and formed the Black Alabama Avengers. You understand? <laughs> and it was going down. I think the chair went more viral than the brawl itself, you know? Um, it just kind of showed that we can come together as a collective. And it... You have your Uncle Toms and your Coons and shit like that that will say that, well, this act of violence doesn't represent black people well and everybody doesn't stand behind this. And you just have to keep it pushing because you're not going to take this WrestleMania moment away from us. Main man with the chair throwing, throwing motherfuckers in the water. Excuse my French. You understand? It was just, you can't really, with all the oppression that we've read about and talked about and try to get over with this PTSD, with this cognitive dissonance, with all this shit that we're dealing with as melanated people, to see us come together when it was time to is just something unmatched. And that's the type of energy that the youngest have to see, the elders have to see, the us as the new OGs have to see. Like, we got to really put ourselves in a position to start talking about what's real. And this happened. That white man thought he could just beat on that black man and they thought they could just jump him and nothing was going to happen. She shitting me? <laughs> they came down in drones. You understand? Main man was swimming across the river, soaking. Huh. Get it. And they say black people can't swim. Ugh. You understand me? What are we talking about? So that within itself was just like a great moment of seeing us rally for one another when they say we hate each other. When Alabama is still one of them states where, you know, they wanted them after dark towns, you know what I'm saying? Like, they one of them. And after dark towns, it's like when the street lights on, you better be in the house because they used to hang niggas, respectfully. Excuse me. You know? And that shit's fucked up. They still have remnants of that out there. So for him to feel as though that he can stand up and do that or go about his business and be on this black man, you tripping. And I'm talking about they came out, man. Like, it was dope. For me, it was dope. To kind of piggyback on that historical moment gotta put a little bit of education in their family <laughs> you know to show how the correlation can help us you know help us prepare for the next monumental moment that we are soon to face because you know the white man is not going to lay down lightly for from having a public display like that you know they're not going to take it lightly um, so us as individuals, we have to enjoy this victory, but we got to prepare for the next round. You understand? This is a marathon, not a race. With that being said, there's a term that I want us to put into our Rolodex to put into practice. And that is the term called deep work. All right. Deep work is the state of is the state of distraction free concentration. All right. When we speak about distraction free concentration, let's not put into um Let's not put into let's not put into play all the coons and the backstabbers and the Uncle Toms who's saying all this stupid shit about how we shouldn't feel so great about what happened over the weekend. I believe it was August fifth. I think that's like the the date, August fifth. Like August fifth, twenty twenty three, in the white fold up chair, which was actually patented by a black man, Nathaniel Alexander. Look it up. 
the folding chair was patented by a black man. You see how, how the line, how the stars just align for this moment? But whatever. As we do the deep work, we have to be distraction free. The more that we delve into how monumental this moment is, the more we have to do the deep work within ourselves, the more we have to do the deep work within our family relationships or our family dynamics and our relationship dynamics and our platonic situationships, you understand? Dynamics. This is really important as well. We have to find, I'll leave that for our relationship talk moment. But when we do the deep work, we have to have distraction-free concentration. We have to start looking at our situation, our scenarios, without all the noise and bells and whistles. You understand? But we, but what we typically do is called shallow work, and that's characterized as tasks that can be that can be performed while distracted. We think we're doing the deep work, but we're actually doing the shallow work, which is which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it's like if we don't take that next step to or switch gears, right? We'll, we'll find ourselves pedaling in the same bodies of water and we're trying to travel, you understand? And doing the deep work will allow us to travel. One last term before we move into the second part of the installment is the principle of least resistance, all right? And the principle of least resistance states that without clear feedback on the impact of various behaviors, we will, we will tend to lead, we will tend to lean towards the behaviors that are the easiest. <laughs> we will tend to lean towards the behaviors that are the easiest. Um, we don't want to follow the path of least resistance <laughs> because it's always going to put us in the position that we find ourselves in. I think that's like the uh, clinical term of insanity, doing something over and over and expecting different results, the path of least resistance. If we don't challenge ourselves enough, we will tend to do, we will tend to behave in a manner in which will give us the least resistance, all right? Which is the easiest. If those people didn't stand up for that melanated man and say, oh, that's not my uncle, that ain't got nothing to do with me, we would never grow as a people. We would never come together as a community. If we don't do the deep work, we won't move or elevate to the next level, which is necessary because, like I said, the Caucasian ain't going to take this, take this lightly. You dig what I'm saying? So we want to be sure that we're ready for whatever's next by doing the deep work. Our first break. That's exactly what this sound like. A to the A to the L I Y A H. Give it up two times, then give it right back. Don't blow my eyes. Smoking eye, pouring food. Keep that meat up in my coop. All my car got lead in wood. In my hood, we call it bull. Everybody wanna bow. Yes, family, that was Kendrick Lamar. Blow my high. Office section eighty. As you can tell, we're playing a lot of old Kendrick Lamar tonight. I'm in a reminiscent state. I don't know. Whenever I get that way, I always think about what songs I was listening to when I had that feeling. On previous installments, you heard me speak about what music does for me and how I relate parts and scenarios of my life to album cuts, album releases, things of that nature. Just reminding me of the time period, time period in which I was in just to extract whatever needs to be extracted, you know? With that being said, I just want to remind the family it's okay. 
It's okay to cry. It's okay to smile. It's okay to ask for help. All right. We are in a space. Let's try to navigate it. Learn from it. So when we are positioned and poised to be in another one, we will know what to do. For our relationship talk moment of the evening, I want to talk about the importance of having platonic friends. <clears throat> All right. I think there's too much onus put on boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, husband, wife. We have to find a lane for platonic friendships, platonic relationships. All right. The reason why I feel that's important, because we have to take the opinions and thoughts from people who don't have a vested interest in sleeping with us <laughs> or getting something out of us that requires a lot of effort speaking, a lot of game playing, a lot of lying and deceiving that typically goes on in relationships that could have just remained platonic. You understand? And we lose out on a lot of what people have to offer because we take situations to the next level that doesn't deserve the next level. It's not really urgent. It's just important to us at the time, right? So when I, when I speak about having platonic relationships, it's just something that we need to consider moving forward because we can bounce ideas off individuals who have other views that doesn't involve, I don't know, us in a mindset of dating. Let's not even talk about sexually. You can be dating someone and not have a sexual relation with them. Maybe that should just be a platonic relationship. You understand? Where you guys can learn from each other without crossing that line and still being able to, I don't know, benefit. You understand? And I'll just leave that there. Find some platonic relationships, people. Everything doesn't have to be boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> As we move forward, I'm looking at my notes and we are in the month of August. The master teachers talk about the Jason months. All right. July, August, September, October, November, right? And it gets spooky in the Jason months. As you know who Jason is, he's the mass killer. And these next five months, you can either be on one side of that knife, either the one holding it or the one getting harm from it, right? And I want us to be sure to have an understanding of what we are up against. Like I said, with the Summer, with the summer slam that went down not too long ago, the Caucasians or the people that are in power, excuse me, are really, you know, they up to something. I can feel it. So we want to be preparing ourselves just the same. With that being said, in the Jason months, we have to really understand the difference between what's urgent and what's important. All right. When we think of something being urgent, something that is urgent requires immediate attention or action. Right. Urgent tasks put us in a reactive mode, putting us in a narrowly focused mindset, feeling hurried and becoming defensive. Urgent tasks come clear, come with clear consequences that are not completed. Right. If we don't complete our urgent tasks, we get behind the eight ball. Um, just let's take the word task out for a second. Let's just think about what's urgent. What do we deem urgent in our lives today? I think we've come to the, uh, hopefully, we've come to the conclusion that the corporation that we call America is wicked. With everything that's coming out about the jab, everything that's coming out about gain-of-function research, everything that's coming out about Dr. Fauci, this information was banned from the internet three years ago. 
You know, the very same information that is being championed on the news station that was criticizing and ridiculing individuals who were first spreading it. They felt it was urgent to get that information out so the truth or the facts about the truth can be can remain hidden. We didn't understand that. Now that we are in 2023, we have an opportunity to make a different decision with all the information that's now readily available. It's now become urgent. We are now reactive, right? When we think about what's important, something that's important contributes to our long-term goals or understanding. It was important for us to look at all the facts and not just the facts that was first being displayed three years ago, right? Now that we're here, all of a sudden it's the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. And I'll just use the jab as an example because for some reason it's still the topic of conversation. And I, I don't really understand why. Even when it comes to the alphabet soup, you understand? How they're always attaching themselves to issues that became urgent. They were reactive. Anything that went on, the LBG, the alphabet soup had to attach themselves to it. Why I say all that to say what? If we understand the difference between urgent and important, we would know what to respond to and what to react to. All right. And if it doesn't contribute to our long term goals or our long term understanding, it's not important. And if we're moving too fast, it's not urgent, <laughs> okay? Because anything worth having takes time to have. It, you have to put, put it all into perspective, you understand? And I feel like if we don't start differentiating the difference between what's urgent and what's important, we will continuously find ourselves chasing our tail. And I'll just leave that there. The information that we are coming across moving forward comes from various sources. And I don't want us to think that, when I say us, I'm speaking about the family. I don't want us to think that I'm just shooting from the hip about, shooting from the hip with the information that I'm displaying. I use controversial topics to ruffle feathers only because we have to learn how to be uncomfortable so we can grow, right? The jab situation is one of them. The alphabet soup situation is one of them. Voting is coming up. Um, our... The way that we idolize these celebrities still is crazy. You know, I don't know too much of what's going on in the ratchet realm because I try to stay away from it. But I'm pretty sure some fuck shit going on in there, you know. And I don't sit here and report on what's going on. But just because I don't report on it doesn't mean it's not still transpiring. All right. So I don't want us to get, excuse me, I don't want us to get so locked in on gaining information and getting better and getting better that we become um, ignorant to the ignorance, right? We can't be ignorant to the ignorance. We have to keep an ear to the street so we know what to stay away from, what to elude, and what to embrace, okay? So what's urgent, what's important is depending on what we want in the long term. And if it's urgent, that means we're moving too fast to get it. We waited too long. Now we're trying to move at a rapid pace to get it. Because if it was important, we will be slowly contributing to it as days go by. So with this information, let's choose to put the information that we are receiving. Let's put it into two categories. Is it urgent? Can it be used in the immediate? Or is it important where I can slowly contribute it? So where it can be slowly contributed to my daily living. Our last break. Smoke good, eat good, 
and I do this for the city. Got some Hennessy and my real niggas with me. Fuck the police, they gon' have to come and get me. If it feel good, tell you holly if you hit me. You like the mistake of street nigga for real nigga. The same nigga that kill with you, squeal with you. I like to start it out from the bottom and build with you. Be on my last dollar and split the bill with you. I'm 23 with morals and plans to live in cordial. Not rich but wealthy. There's nothing you can tell me. My killings are not remorseful. The city got my back before that. I give them my torso. You think about it. And don't call me lyrical, cause really I'm just a nigga that's evil and spiritual. I know some rappers using big words to make their similes curve. My simplest shit be more pivotal. I penetrate the hearts of good kids and criminals. Work with some individuals that live life critical. So won't you bear witness while I bear feet? So you can walk in my shoes and get to know me. But anyway, this for my pops. On this lunch break, eating in that parking lot. Yes, family, Kendrick Lamar, Poe Man's Dreams, off his Section 80. This is when I got introduced to Kendrick Lamar. And I was like, yo, who is this talking about all this? At the time, it was called Conscious. Now we call it Woke. I'm using air quotes. I really don't like that term. But he was the first person that I heard rap about stuff in the manner in which I was just catching wind to. You know, attending an HBCU really helps people individuals who are yearning for understanding the hbcu is definitely a place to further your education about melanated history and he was a rapper that was speaking about stuff that i was learning and i was intrigued and the rest is history section 80 kendrick lamar before we close out i just want to highlight a little bit of what we talked about the difference between urgent and important Try to figure out what is urgent and what is important. Usually something that is urgent requires immediate action, whereas something that's important contributes to our long-term goal or understanding. We also talked about the importance of having platonic relationships. We should invest in people who have a vested interest in us, whether or not they're sleeping with us, paying for our lunches, paying for our trips, sugar daddy, sugar mama, find something platonic and find the benefits that come from that. And we opened the installment talking about deep work, distraction-free concentration, the principle of least resistance, tending to, lean, tending to lend towards behaviors that are the easiest. And I want us to take the time to figure out what we need to focus on the most. We could try to do all three at one time. If that's what you're challenging yourself to do, by all means. If not, take it piece by piece. With these installments, I want it to be fun, funny, and factual. All right? I want it to be fun so we can enjoy spending 25 to 30 minutes talking about information that can help us learn something new. I want it to be funny because who doesn't want to be entertained? Who? It's okay to be a preacher, and I'm using air quotes, so be a teacher and give the lesson. But... It's good to have a laugh about something that might have once been very tumultuous. You understand? Having the ability to look at what once was demoralizing and dimming and having the ability to look at it and not allow it to have that same significance on your life that it once had. Right? <clears throat> I, think these I think these installments are fun and funny because I laugh at myself. I can be corny, you know? And if that, if my level of corniness allows someone to embrace their own level of corniness, 
then I've won. And lastly, it has to be factual. This information can be difficult in the beginning, but once we embrace it and look at it as a tool and not a condemning factor, right? We will benefit from it. To close this out, I want to highlight some divine feminine energy. These two women I discussed in the month of August because I feel like it's important to highlight melanated women who stood firm on what they believed in to express the power that they have with being black women, melanated women, being educated melanated women, and sharing their voice. The first individual I'm talking about is Miss Toni Morrison. She was born Chloe Anthony Wolford, February 18, 1931, in Ohio. All right, she attended Howard University, majored in English, minored in the classics. After she graduated in 1953, she attended Cornell University, where she graduated in 1955. Then she moved to Texas to teach at Texas Southern University. All right. In 1957, she returned to Howard University to teach English. And she won the Pulitzer Prize in 1988, the year that I was born. Obviously a great year. The reason why I highlight her first is because there's a lot of women that I hear talk about her in high regard. And it's as shameful as I might sound, but I have to be honest, I've never read any of her books. But I watch a lot of her YouTube interviews. And that's where I became a fan. And then that's where I started doing research on the books that she's written, right? Because when I heard her speak, I was just like, wow, so this is why they like her, you know? <laughs> this is why people hold her in such high regard, because she's her, you know what I'm saying? And as I Google her, she died August 5th, 2019, and the SummerSlam and Alabama was August 5th, 2023. So, yeah, shout out to, they did that for the ancestors, man. Not only for the ones that was getting shipped out, but for the ones that passed, right? So, just a few of her books for any, anybody who's interested in reading some of her work. We have Beloved, The Bluest Eye, Song of Solomon, Jazz, Paradise, A Mercy, Tar Baby, God Help the Child, and the list goes on. All right, so if you want to check out some of her work, a Pulitzer Prize winner, a Howard University graduate, HBCU stand up, you know, shout out to her. And lastly, I want to highlight Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. She was born March 18th, 1935. Damn. Morrison was born on February 18th. Cress Wilson was born on March 18th. I got to look into the power of 18. Well, 18 is 9. So 9 is a godly number. So when we talk about um, numbers, there's no double-digit numbers. Quick pause on the information family. There's no such thing as double-digit numbers. When you count from 0 to 9, once you start getting to the double digits, you... Add the two double digits together to get a single digit number, which in turn creates the number system that we don't necessarily talk about. So if it's 17, it's 1 plus 7 to give you 8. If it's 18, it's 1 plus 8, which will give you 9. 9 is a godly number. I'll save that for another installment. 369, 
those three numbers have a very unique quality to them. You can do your own research with that. Don't want to get too sidetracked. But Dr. Dr. Francis Crest Wilson was born on the 18th. Toni Morrison was born on the 18th. So that's something to look into. Dr. Francis Crest Wilson was born in Chicago. Her parents were educated. Her father was a physician and her mother was a teacher. In 1957, she received her BS from her college in Illinois. All right. She then attended Howard University in 1962. Then she moved to then she moved to DC in the 1960s to become an assistant at Howard University. All right. Howard University is definitely one of the meccas of higher melanated education, and we cannot forget that. Dr. Frances Crest Wilson, I got introduced to her through the master teachers. She has a book called The Isis Papers, which I suggest every melanated family or home should have that book on their bookshelf, The Isis Papers. I-S-I-S Papers. And just read that. And she was just kicking information next level. And I read that book at least once a year. I don't necessarily finish it, but I might read three or four chapters from it because she breaks down white supremacy from a genetic survival standpoint. And once we realize the symbolisms that the, co the corporation that we call America uses to keep themselves in power, you'll just be surprised the lengths that they will go to, go to and go through to be in the position that they're in. Dr. Francis Crest Wilson does a great job of explaining that in her book, The Isis Papers. Hopefully the family enjoyed this installment. I know I did. I think we are finally in a position to, I think we're finally in a position to understand what's best. Hopefully August 5th was not only monumental, but beneficial to the psyche of the next generation to see and to show that we are finally coming together as a people. Look up the ISIS papers, look into Toni Morrison, look into deep work, look into the path, the principle of least resistance, all right? These are all terms that we need to use and get familiar with. I'm your host, Him Not Them. And if you really want to have this conversation with me, you got to talk to me 30. Peace.